This is KCBX Central Coast Public Radio. I'm Father Ian Dellinger, and I'm playing with food. Remember when almonds were at the center of the fury over the California drought of the mid-20-teens? Have a listen to this clip from a morning edition report by Richard Gonzalez in April 2015. Almonds use more water than all of the indoor residential use in all of California. Tom Stokely is a water policy analyst with the California Water Impact Network. Almonds use more water than all of the outdoor residential landscaping in California. And and almonds are not the largest uh, water-consuming crop either. For example, alfalfa requires a lot of water, but almonds attract more criticism, in part because production for export has exploded in the past decade. California produces more than 80% of the world's almonds. It's a $4.8 billion market, and that's encouraged farmers to rip out annual crops like tomatoes and melons in favor of orchards. But unlike annual crops, a farmer can't follow an orchard. Imagine if we could use a food source that is naturally abundant and doesn't consume another scarce commodity. Look out your window. Can you see anything that would fit those criteria? Centuries ago, the native peoples of California used the food sources available to them. One of those was the superabundant acorn. As Europeans displaced the native tribes, they also replaced the flora and fauna with European species, and cooking with the California native flora virtually disappeared. But a few people are exploring the use of native species, so I learned how to make acorn flour. I'm Brandon Hurd. I go by The Ecologist Cowboy on Instagram. I have a website. I'm a Cal Poly student right now studying environmental science and management, focusing on agroforestry for Mediterranean and Californian crops. So today we're going to make acorn flour. Okay. And acorn cookies. Acorn cookies. Okay. (laughs) It seems kind of abstract for us to eat acorns, but it's a really common staple crop for people for thousands of years. Yeah, we're on Chumash land and I want to make sure that we pay respect to them. It's definitely not an original thing that I'm doing here. I actually would prefer to empower traditional Chumash practices and make this a more normal thing to eat acorns this way. There's some that are more worth using than others and the ones all around us here all along the coast, the coast live oak, Quercus agrifolia. They have a lot of tannins. The tannins are what makes things taste good. So Native Americans would prefer these oaks to what I have here, the valley oak, Quercus lobata. I like the valley oak because they're larger and they have less tannins, so it's quicker to process, but they don't have as much flavor. Coffee, berries, fruit, chocolate, they all have tannins that make it taste good. So when we're leaching the tannins out of the acorns to make them edible, you don't want to leach too much because then it becomes really bland, but you also want to make sure that it's actually edible because tannins can be an anti-nutrient and rob your body of nutrients as you're digesting things. So where do we start? First station is cracking acorns open. Second station is blending them up and smaller pieces to get more surface area for leaching them. And station three, we're gonna put the ground acorns, partially ground acorns in a water bath. And then you change the water twice a day for a few days. So for coast live oak, it'll take probably a week, maybe even more. For valley oak, what we have, it'll take about four days. There's other ways to do it too. Some people will just make a brine because like olives, they have a similar amount of tannins. If you eat an olive off the tree, it's also really, really bitter and almost inedible. Basically the test is you just eat it and if, if it doesn't make your lips pucker and you can swallow it comfortably, then it's good. I'm looking into more official ways to testing this and standardizing it, but so far no one's done it. So the Chumash would just leave it in the river. They would make little potholes in river rocks. So water would wash over the acorns in these potholes and 
leaves the tannins out naturally. And they'd also use a mortar and pestle, which we have, but I got a nice little attachment for the KitchenAid, which I'm really excited about. Just a little flour mill. We dehydrate them after leaching, then it'll go in the hopper and mill it into flour. Here's the flour. Yeah, want to smell it? It smells like an earthy flour. Yeah, exactly. It's like a nutty, it is, it is a nut, but it's like definitely unique to other nut types of nuts. But here's a, an industrial acorn food manufacturer in Greece. It's called Oakmeal. There's another company in Portugal who does it industrially. How often do you make the flour and process acorn stuff? So I, I've only done it in a few years. I really enjoy it and I, I feel like it's a wasted resource otherwise and it feels good doing it. But it is a lot of work so usually I'll just make like a couple batches each year. So this is our, actually this is our third batch this year. This year? It's mm -hmm. only been a month. Well, acorns drop in September, October. So actually you probably couldn't find any viable ones on the ground right now. Basically any oak tree will have acorns. They have mast years, so every few years they'll drop a ton of acorns and then not very much for a few years and then a ton of acorns and that's to like outsmart the squirrels. Their populations will like ebb and flow, but since they have like one mast year with a ton of acorns, they won't be able to harvest all of them. And then inevitably some of those acorns will become little oak seedlings and grow into trees. There's a lot of areas that aren't preserved and they don't get the same kind of treatment as it would naturally. They have these cool mechanisms for doing that. So ideally you find a tree that's on its mast year and you go between September and November or even December sometimes. And you'll probably find a lot of acorns, especially if it's a valley oak. They seem to be the most productive locally. Should we get to it or? Sure. This is KCBX Central Coast Public Radio and I'm Father Ian playing with food on issues and ideas. I'm learning how to make acorn flour with Brandon Hurd. As we start to shell the acorns, you will hear what it takes to crack a nut. So what do you want me to do? We'll throw the acorn meat directly into the blender. And they just go in whole? Uh, yep, so yeah, shells in here, and then we'll throw the whole acorns in here to blend them later. Yeah, I would love to connect more with local Chumash about this type of work, because for me it's really important. I know it's important for others and to collaborate or help them. They call the first part actually curing, where you just let them sit in the sun for a little bit. Okay. And then the meat is removed from the shells. Helps with this step. And then also you'll notice these little holes. This from an acorn weevil. See, you can see like all their little marks. I think yeah. that's like the path they're taking and they eat the whole thing. And it's probably fine, but some of them are really nasty. This one I'd say is passable, but just for now, I'm not going to use it. Did you forge these acorns yourself? Yeah, so we actually have woofers come to the farm. We do little workshops with them. What are woofers? A woof is an acronym for Worldwide Opportunities for Organic Farmers. It's a program online where you can host people from all around the world to come to your farm. It's a work exchange, so you exchange food and a place to stay for farm work. At the Laver, we always do like educational stuff too. Doing acorn stuff is kind of both educational and farm work here. So we did this with the volunteers and we grabbed a whole bunch, made a day out of it. Came back and sat here for a long time because it's a lot of work to process these. <laughs> so can I just taste one of these right here? Just give a little taste because it's going to be bitter. That's too big. <laughs> it's going to be really bitter. No, it wasn't bad. It's bitter, but it has a little bit of sweetness as well. That's why value looks are the best, I think. Yeah, it's sweet actually initially. Yeah, I really do want to empower uh, native food sources through my work because there's foods all around us like elderberry, prickly pear, Ugh. acorns, walnuts. They're everywhere. And... So when did you start learning how to do this and become interested in all that kind of stuff? I think it started off from like reading Ishmael. It's a really beautiful book. 
I actually forget the author, but it's about this ape who's like talking to a guy about humanity and he has this philosophy about how there's givers and takers in most like capitalist societies we take and we don't really give back to nature and basically we're like taking more and more from finite resources infinitely more but if you take infinitely more from finite resources you're inevitably going to come to an end at some point and then he talks about how like a lot of indigenous people are givers and would give back the more i read about like indigenous traditions too it's like really special the way they use things that are for their climate they don't need water they don't need extra fertilizer or resources have like rules for foraging where they only take like a third of something that's there or if there's only one thing there they will not take it and they just know that it's like the resource they need to like keep using and people talk about circular economies but it really was only a circular economy when native americans were managing the land so that kind of stuck with me a lot and i really wanted to work with native americans for a while and find a way to like have my work meet with them in some type of way or now I'm more interested in using their, the foods that are all around us and kind of like took some of the philosophy of that. Too. I think it's a really cool way to like look at a, an ecosystem too or just when you're on hikes. Now I just see everything as food. How did you learn to do this? Marcy Mayer, the one who has her acorn company in Greece, she has a great book called Eating Acorns and that's kind of the bible for eating acorns. And then also, I have a big crush on Pascal Bodar, who's this French-American who lives in L.A., a gourmet chef forager. Uh, last one? Uh, yeah, one more. Last one. Okay. And so what next? Next step, uh, we put it in a blender just to basically make crumbles. We want to break up the acorn meat a little bit so that it leaches faster, so there's more surface area when you do it this way. So it's going to be a little noisy. Man, this thing is such an upgrade. We have a new roommate and he came in with this and it's such a treat. <laughs> Were you using a mortar and pestle before? No, that, that would again be more traditional, but uh, we just had a uh, food processor, but it just has one blade and it would get stuck all the time. And yeah, this has three blades and does quite well. Now we're gonna leach it. Pouring the nut grounds in here. Just into a plastic gallon jug. We're just going to fill this with water and let it sit for four days. And you let it sit in water. And usually I will change the water at that moment just to get some of the nasty stuff out. And then, yeah, you fill it up again with water and you change it twice a day for a few days uh, until it's not bitter. So I'm just going to strain it one time and then put it more water in it. After we leach, so say it's been a few days now, this is a dehydrator tray. The dehydrator is kind of slow, so I'll put it in the oven oh, right. at a really low temperature and leave the door open. So I get some of the, the moisture out from in the oven. And then I'll put everything on trays in the dehydrator. Yeah, now it's totally dry and ready to grind into a powder. Kind of looks like bark. And yeah, I'm really excited about this new contraption I got for Christmas. It looks very clean and new. Have you used it yet? For the first time today, just to make sure that I wasn't <laughs> throwing you in a loop. <laughs> All right, here we go. So now we're putting it into a mill. Okay. It's a mill attachment on a KitchenAid. Okay, let's call it a day. And hey, there you have some flour. Can I smell it? Yeah. Wow, freshly ground acorn flour. Mm. Yeah, let's let's compare the texture. Here's coffee grinder. A little rough. Here's ooh, yeah. It's like a fine sand here. Yeah. Yeah. A little better yeah nice upgrade your christmas present works really well oh yeah and it's automated with the coffee grinder it's a lot more little batches over yeah and over. 
now we have flour and you can make baked goods and also you could just make acorn mush out of this and just add hot water kind of like you would with like grits this is kcbx central coast public radio and i'm father ian playing with food on issues and ideas Harvesting and processing acorns for use as food is laborious, but Brandon Hurd is rediscovering ways to use this abundant food source and to use it in modern cooking, and not every acorn tastes the same. Yeah, it's really good with just hot water and honey. I've done that once. It's good. Thank These you. These are going to be ready in three minutes. All right. So this is island oak. Okay. So this is native to the Channel Islands, but it grows really well here. It grows just as well as coast live oak here, actually. Okay, so we have valley oak here, and then black oak here. So which order should I try them in? How about this one first? That's the one we are okay. making. Same as the cookies. Okay, it tastes like a mild nut. Yeah, it's really mild. Mm. Tannins are gone at this point. And you also lose some of the tannins from heating, so even after leaching, you'll lose a little bit more just from dehydrating. Okay. And then, how about this one? This, one? this is the... Island oak. So try this that one, one has a little less flavor. Um, oh, you think? Yeah, I think so. Do you think so? I think the island oak has more flavor. And then this is the black oak. This is the black oak. So this is mm. typically Native Americans' favorite. I like the black oak. Yeah, I felt that the this one was the least tasty. Yeah, it wasn't untasty. It just didn't have a lot of flavor. Yeah, the island oak. Yeah, it's also really bland this way. It's hard to really get a sense of the flavor when you're just eating the flour. You wouldn't just eat normal flour this way too. Right. So like, it's just, I don't know, just kind of people would say that acorns don't taste good, but it's also if you're eating it as a flour, like you have to kind of think about other stuff that would go well with it. And to me, it's more of a staple. It's something that has nutrients that fills your appetite. Normally, you would also not use 100% acorn flour. Native Americans, of course, would, but I'll usually go a third for people who are just learning about the flavor. And then I'll go half if you really want to taste it. So the cookies, I believe, are a third but they also have tons of butter and sugar, so okay. they're gonna be delicious no matter what. So you wanna tell me how you made the cookies? So the cookies are actually my stepmom's recipe and they're delicious when they're non-acorn cookies. And I just substituted for a third acorn flour, but it's on my website on theecologistcowboy.com. It's a regular chocolate chip cookie recipe with yeah. acorn flour. Yeah, so you substitute one third of that flour with acorn flour. Okay, do you know, would the Chumash have had, what would they have done with the flour? The acorn, the porridge basically. Because they didn't have cows, so they wouldn't have had butter. A lot of times they would have their acorn flour and then add hot water. They had sweeteners still, like the prickly pear. There's lots of berries they could use. But I, a lot of times they would just be like hot water with acorn mash. And you've made bread before as well, right? Because we were going to make yeah. bread two years ago, right before the world shut down. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we still can, but yeah, it would take a little but bit what longer. Do you, how do you make the bread? If you look under oaks on my website, there's acorn food. And I have two recipes for bread and the cookies. And again, it's just a normal bread recipe, but with a third acorn flour. Okay, you haven't tried 100% acorn flour bread? I have, yeah. How'd it turn out? I, I think it's good, but it's like just a little bit bitter, a little bit nutty, it doesn't rise as much. It's very rich. I mean, I, I like it, but um, it's hard to eat a lot of it. It wouldn't even be bread to most people. And also I didn't have a good meal at the time, so it was kind of grainy. Okay, did it hold together? A little bit, not, not very well, because yeah, without the flour, I mean, so we're cold leaching and it's supposed to preserve, I want to say the starch in order to rise like bread. And when you hot leach, which people can do, it's a faster process to leaching. And you can just boil water and change it a few times instead of doing it for a few days. Um, but that way I believe destroys the starch and it doesn't hold together as well. Right. So technically we should be able to hold it together, but it still doesn't hold together like wheat flour. There's an endless supply of acorns it here. It is, yeah. It kind of blows my mind that I'm not the only, well, I'm, I know there's other people thinking about this, but it blows my mind that it's not more common yet. 
I know it will be. I also have the theory that at some point we'll have a crisis with wheat growing. We have a huge water shortage in California. And in Southern California, we're taking water from Colorado. There's a good chance we're just not going to have water to grow as much one day. I think there's a good chance we will shift to like eating things that are actually climate appropriate, like acorns and oaks. So are the cookies ready? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, uh. So these are chocolate chip cookies. They're normal chocolate chip cookies. Well, actually extraordinary chocolate chip cookies. My stepmom's recipe with a third acorn flour. Is the acorn flour going to give them a distinctive taste? Yes. Okay. It's a little more nutty. You know, like when you add like walnuts or something in, if you imagine that kind of like being spread throughout, but without the texture of the okay. walnut. Well, they look good. Yeah. Does the acorn flour, even though it's only a third, change the behavior of the texture of the dough and things like that? A little bit, yeah. I think it still doesn't rise as well as normal flour, but it seems to work well with cookies because the cookies are so much sugar and butter that it's, it's not as big of a ratio of the total product as it would be for bread. There we All go. right, go for it. Okay. Am I the only one going to eat a cookie? We're just going to watch you. I'm just kidding. This is my favorite food. Mmm. Well, my contains are chocolate chips, which always <laughs> makes it good. But it's nice. Pick off a piece without chocolate chips. Mmm. That was so good. Yeah. Yeah. I know this is going to sound weird, but it tastes healthy or more natural. It's not. <laughs> well, it's not I mean, nuts are fattening, right? And I'm assuming that acorns are just as fattening as walnuts, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I guess it's slightly more healthy than a normal cookie, but just the cookie in itself is not very healthy. It gives it a healthy, natural character to it, like whole wheat flour would, you know. Yeah. No, you think you have healthier cookies when you make whole wheat flour cookies, right? True. So I understand the fat content is probably higher. I mean, what's the fat content of mm. an acorn compared mm. to like a walnut or a cashew? Here's Marcy Mary's book, Eating Acorns. And let's see, fat content. Let's see what's the nutritional properties. Oh, acorn nutrition. So in 100 grams of acorns, there's 5 grams of water, 500 kilocalories, 8 grams of protein, 31 grams of fat, Per 100 grams. That's pretty high. 31% is pretty high. Yeah. I don't know how it compares to other nuts. For comparison, walnuts are 65% fat, almonds are 56% fat, and cashews are 43% fat. So at 31% fat, acorns are comparatively low. It's subtle. It's not like super strong kind of like, oh, I'm eating something different. I wouldn't even know. If you brought these to my house for afternoon coffee, I wouldn't even know. I would have been like, oh, these are really nice. I'm sure he did something different. I wouldn't have thought, oh, he made them with acorn flour. Right. Yeah, these ones are a great one just that anyone will love. I should have made some acorn bread. Come over right. again for some acorn bread sometime. But yeah, it's like more grainy. You can definitely tell, especially when you have a higher percent of acorn flour compared to the all-purpose or bread flour. Well, is there anything else I need to know? Yeah, you can eat acorns direct from the tree, but don't eat too many because you'll get super sick. You got to <laughs> leech them first. Even if you're like out in the wilderness, disoriented and zombie apocalypse and you're hungry. That might be even worse because if you're like starving and you have anti-nutrients from the tannins um, going through your body, then you'll rob yourself of the nutrients that you have in your body. Good to know. I will try to keep that in my <laughs> database of things to do when there's a zombie apocalypse yeah. or not to do. <laughs> but I don't want to leave on that note either. <laughs> so there's lots of great, I mean, on the, on the bright side, it's, there's no water involved in these crops. They're super abundant. The crops we got here for the whole year, we've been using the same acorn flowers from one single tree. It was not watered off the side of the road. No one's going to use it. Most people think of it as leaf litter and it's really a great food source. If you want to come yeah. get the acorns from St. Steve, we have a huge oak tree in our parking lot. 
If you want to be the regular harvesters of the acorns there, you're more than welcome to. I appreciate that. Yeah. I haven't been invited back for acorn flour bread yet, but I did have another cookie on my way out. Brandon the Ecology Cowboy is playing with food not only as a fun reconstruction of lost native practices, but also as a way to save the environment. Our love of mass-produced and processed foods does have a negative impact on our land, air, and water. Eating locally and what your local ecosystem provides you is how humans survived for thousands of years. Maybe Brandon will get us all hooked on looking out our windows and seeing the food right in front of our eyes. I want to try that bread first, though. This is KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Father Ian, and I'm playing with food.